Hey everyone, happy holidays and welcome back to Small Town Camera. This is episode 12. Today we're going to be hearing from my good friend Lonnie Smith. She's a Utah-based photographer specializing in fine art whimsical portraiture. She's had multiple images featured on Ellen, the Hallmark Channel, TLC, and a lot of other nationally syndicated programs. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Lonnie, how are you? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks so much for being on the show. If you wouldn't mind, could you give us a one-minute biography of yourself just so people can get familiar with who you are and where you're located? Sure. Um, I'm I'm in Utah, and I'm a newborn children's and family photographer. I specialize in fine art whimsical sessions. I have photos that have been on Ellen, the Hallmark Channel, TLC, Access Hollywood, Parents Magazine, and numerous other publications. Um, I've been married for 19 years and I have five kids. So tell me more about getting your photos on all these national media outlets. How did that start? It started when I started shooting these famous quadruplets that have a TV show on um, TLC called Rattled. And um, basically they're, they're really popular. They have a huge following. And so the mom gets interviewed, the parents get interviewed a lot by TV shows and the mom also had a viral video that um, got on Ellen, so that's how my photos ended up there. So when exactly did you start photography? When did you pick up a camera for the first time? Well, I started when I had my fourth child. Um, I decided that I wanted to try my hand at taking some newborn photos. I wasn't very good, but I got fit, bit by the photography bug, so I just kind of continued from there with shooting her every day, and I started eventually having people ask me to take pictures of their children, and then it just kind of went crazy. Well, I think that's the dream. That's definitely the best case (laughs) scenario. Can you give me a breakdown of the services that you offer to your clients? Yes, yes. I have basically two types of sessions. I have the classic session, which is the family photos and the newborn photos where, you know, everybody's looking at the camera and smiling, and then you have interacting photos, but there's nothing magical added to that to it and then I have the whimsical sessions which is basically where I design a photo from scratch I go into Photoshop and I build a background or you know we plan out every single detail before we even go to the shoot and then we are mainly shooting for like a very small amount of photos like anywhere from one to three I think that totally makes sense if you're shooting something that hyper specific with the idea in mind Uh, you're probably only going to get one to three pictures out of it. So that makes sense. Can you walk me through how customers or your clients are finding you now? Yes. So now um, the the quadruplets I just talked to you about, they're a really big reason that I get a lot of bookings now. Um, They are always advertising for me. I actually do a trade with them. And so they do a lot of advertising. I I consider them my only marketing program for right now. Um, It is working good. And then word of mouth is the other thing I do. I, any clients I work with tend to refer me out. So right now I'm actually not doing as much as as marketing on Google. Um, I'm not doing any advertisements anywhere. But for right now, this is what's working for me. Well, it seems to be working really well for you. So uh, maybe don't change it, you know, maybe just keep going. Uh, can you tell me the story of when you got your first camera? Uh huh. Yes. So years ago, my husband and I were at Circuit City and um, they used to have the open box buys. And yeah, 
Yes, back when Circuit City was a thing. <laughs> and they had a Canon 30D. Um, it was a crop sensor. And I really, really wanted it. So he bought it for me. I think it was like $300. And it was, it was really, really great. I started out taking pictures of my, my baby and then started using that for clients. And, um, you know, it worked really, really good for me. And then I started to realize that, um, with the crop sensor, I could not get the full range of my lenses. If I was shooting with a 50 prime, um, I couldn't stand above babies and get the entire baby in the shot. And so then that's when I realized I needed to start to go to go to a full frame. Then what did you upgrade to after that? So what I upgraded to after that was a used 5D Mark II. I um, actually bought it from Perfect Light, and it has been my camera probably for the last four to five years. And it's worked really, really great. But I actually just barely bought a 5D Mark IV, and it's coming in the mail today. Oh, man, Christmas mm -hmm. came early. That 5D Mark IV is going to be amazing. I'm sure you're going to love that camera. So, Lonnie, tell us a little bit more about the lenses that you have in your kit. What are your go-to? What are your favorite uh, pieces of glass? Well, I do have a wide range of lenses but, lenses, but there's really only two that I use the most. So, in the studio, I almost exclusively use my 50 Prime. I feel like it um, does a really great job of getting everything that I need into the photo. Um, I tend to only shoot usually one person up to maybe three or four kids. Um, I don't really tend to do like a huge families in my studio. So the 50 primer works really, really great. And then um, outdoors, I almost exclusively use my 70 to 200 2.8. Um, that one, I always, I always shoot at like 200 millimeters and, you know, just that's how I get big families with a lot of blur behind them. Um, every once in a while, I'll always, I'll, I'll pull out my 24 to 70, but that one's more of just kind of a backup of when I really need to get more scenery in the picture, but really the 50 prime, um, 1.4 and the 70 to 200 2.8 are my workhorse lenses. I'm actually glad to hear that the 50 mil is your workhorse. That's the lens that I recommend everybody get if they just have one lens. So tell me about what kind of lights you're using for mm -hmm. your shoots. Yes, yes. So I have three Alien B lights. I have a B400, and then I have two B800 strobes. I almost always just use the one B400. Um, if I'm shooting anywhere from one to three people, I'll just use the one light. And then I will add a second light as needed. But I don't really have that many, you know, big groups come in. So I use those, and then I just use a, a PLM softbox system and then some other big softboxes that I have on hand. So tell me about um, what kind of computer and software you're using right now. So this is a great question, but honestly, I really don't know much about my computer. My brother built it. He, oh, nice. Um, really loves to build things. He understands things through and through. So I told him what I needed. I told him how much space I wanted and how much memory I wanted and basically what I needed to be able to do with it. And he built it um, from the ground up for me. And then um, as far as software, um, I use Photoshop and Lightroom. So I import photos into Lightroom for my basic adjustments, and then I export to Photoshop to do my fine editing. Okay. Now, do you just build layer upon layer upon layer is normally how you're creating mm -hmm. these images? Okay. Yes. If we're talking about the whimsical Im images where I'm compositing photos together, it's just, 
lots of layers, lots of elements being added, um, lots of layers of just shadowing and color toning, you know, just to make sure everything looks like it fits. Nice. Okay. That makes way more sense because I, you know, I look at your images and obviously that's not what I do, but I also mm -hmm. don't totally understand how you get there most of the time. I, I think there's probably a lot gotcha. of people out there that are like, um, how do you do that, Lonnie? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's just talk about um, just kind of the the magical or whimsical portraits that you take. So would you say, like, how would you say that you do it different than other people? Well, I think what sets me apart in this area, area specifically is my composite photography and also my sessions with live animals. So a lot of um, people do, you know, when you do children's portraiture, you're doing like the cake smashes and you're doing, you know, the kids sitting in a basic studio setting with a backdrop and, you know, a few props here and there. But what I do is I want to kind of create my own magical world. I want to create something that you haven't really even seen before, you know, something that nobody else can go out and just photograph. Yeah. And um, so what I think that's how I differ is that you're getting my clients are getting something that they cannot get from anywhere else. They're getting a background that they cannot get from anyone else. It's not a backdrop that people can just that client that photographers can just go by and use in sessions. I am creating each and in, each and every individual element sometimes to certain photos. So um, talk to me about that for a second. How mm -hmm. how do you start? Like where's your baseline piece for the for the background? Do you just start with literally like a white layer and yes. then just and then you paint on it and just create the the background itself or for for a lot of that a lot of that stuff, yeah. So for my really involved composites, I um what I actually do is I I photograph the subject on a white background. And then so that I can cut them out mm -hmm. and put them onto a background that I created. So what I do is I go to places like DeviantArt or Adobe. Um, oh, what's it called? Uh, Adobe. Like the photo stock type stuff? Right. Yeah, the stock photos. Yeah. Um, I go places like that to all these stock photo sites. And there's some other really great ones. And I can't bring up the names right now. Um, but I download or you know purchase certain images. And I will buy different elements that I need. So, for example, um, I did an underwater mermaid one. And, um, well, actually, I did a mermaid one where the, the daughter was coming out of the water as a mermaid. And the client's son was sitting on the edge of the rock um, looking at her. So I composited several different photos together. I had to do a sky layer. I had to create a water layer. I had to create a wave layer so for the waves coming up and crashing around her. Yeah. Um, I tried to add a pirate ship, but it didn't look so good, so <laughs> I, I nixed that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so there's a lot of... Oh, there had to be a, a cliff layer for the boy to sit on a cliff. So basically, I'm going and I'm finding... I'm searching for these specific words, finding the images that work best with my photo, and then I'm throwing them all together and um, sending a very rough edit to the client of this is what I'm thinking about for your photo. Wow. So you just kind of put almost like a sketch together and you're like, do you mm -hmm. want me to keep going? <laughs> yes. And this is, this is really before we even do the session. I plan the background before we even shoot so that I know exactly what I'm shooting for. So, for example, the mermaid photo I was talking about, I, she had already booked me and paid her deposit. So I'm not doing all this work, you know, without getting anything out of it. Yeah. Um, and I went, to, I went into Photoshop and created the entire background. And 
you know, like I said, it was really choppy, but it was just to give her a basic idea. And then I um, drew stick figures where I planned to put her kids. So just to kind of give her an idea of this is your daughter. She's going to be sitting, leaning on the edge of this um, rock. Your son's going to be kneeling down, looking at her. And it gave her, it gave her a good visual. So she knew what she was buying. And so that I knew that when we went to go shoot, that everything else was taken care of. All I needed to do was make sure that I got the perfect posing and the perfect lighting to match with my background. So how do you choose these backgrounds or how do you choose like the theme of the shoot for these whimsical sessions? Do you, do you kind of like, uh, kind of brainstorm with the client while you're sitting there or do they have, do they come to you with ideas or both ways? So a lot of times what people do is they see a previous photo that I did for somebody else Mm -hmm. and they come to me and they say, I want that. And what I do is I personalize it for them. I don't want any of my clients to have the exact same set, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. So I won't reuse my composited backgrounds for other sessions. Each session gets its own unique um, creation. But they'll say, you know, if they come to me and say, this is what I want, I saw this and I really love it, then I'll create a new background. So I'll use that as a place to jump off of to create something completely new. Um, sometimes they come to me with something that, that they haven't seen before, but they just have an idea, you know, like I want something like my, my son likes to wander and explore. I would love to do something like Robin Hood in the forest, you know? Mm -hmm. So then I will throw together some ideas and I, most of the time they give me a ton of freedom. They basically say, this is what I want. I'm going to put it in your lap and I want you to take care of it all. And it's really, really fun because I get to plan every detail I get to plan, you know, the elements that I'm adding to each photo, if I'm going to add animals, um, you know, what the, if it's going to be a winter scene or a summer scene, I get to plan all of that stuff. And then sometimes people contact me and they say, I love your magical photos. What can we do? So this is when I get to like really go crazy and I'll send them an email back just as for starters with a lot of ideas. I'll just throw out whatever's in my head. So depending on the age and the gender of the child, I'll throw out, um, you know, different ideas that will work for their age group. And, um, and I'll send them like a really long list. And then I'll say, do any of these jump out to you that you're really interested in that you would love to put up in your, fo- in your home? And a lot of times I'll ask them, what are your child's interests? And so then we kind of bounce from there and start to get a really good idea of what we're shooting for. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because I I think like for me, I have two children, I have a four and a five year old. And Mm -hmm. one of them is like, you know, my daughter's super into everything princesses, you know, which is pretty normal, I think for, Mm -hmm. for a four year old girl. But you know, she's not into babies. She's not into. So I think it would be like really cool if uh, I could come to you and bring her, and we could do like a princess, like because she loves like Beauty and the Beast and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it would be awesome to do something like that. My son super into cars, loves everything cars. So I think the fact that you have the ability to kind of have a list there and people mm-hmm. can choose the theme that fits them, that's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it works out really, really well. And, you know, even just the few things that you've said, my mind is already rolling <laughs> with all the ideas of what I could do with the Beauty and the Beast and the cars. I've already got a ton of ideas popping in my head. And I would just be writing those down. And I wouldn't just send one idea of, hey, we could maybe put, you know, Photoshop your son in a race car. I would be sending you, you know, at least 10 different ideas of what we could do and how we can incorporate cars into an image with him. Wow. Now I'm getting excited. 
Jeez, yeah. <laughs> I need to I need to pop down to Utah for a minute and bring my kids. We're, we're, we're going to have to do that, I'm sure. Um, so as far as like location shooting, are you shooting all of this in studio or do you, you have to do some of it outside, don't you? Yes. And it really depends on what I'm shooting for. So with my composite sessions, I actually have two different scales of composites. Um, one is where I am shooting in the actual location and then I'm only and I'm using that actual background, and then I'm only adding elements. So, like, um, I did a photo out outside with a reindeer, and I actually took my two daughters, and I photographed them standing out in the snow and um, pretending to feed a reindeer an apple. And then I Photoshopped the reindeer in afterward. So nice. some of these photos I'm actually photographing as often as I can. I'm photographing the children at the location so I can use that background so I'm not always creating a background from scratch. And then for the sessions where we're trying to create a brand new, like never before seen um, world, then those ones are shot in the studio. And um, like I said, I'm shooting those on a white backdrop so I can just basically cut the kid out and um, put them into the photo wherever I need to. And as far as the location ones, it really depends on what the clients are looking for. Most of my clients that come to me really, really love the nature photos that I do. The ones out where it looks like the kids are out in a, in the wilderness. Yeah. So I don't look for manicured settings. I don't look for mown like grass that's been mowed. Um, you know, trees that have been trimmed. I go and I get in the car and I just drive every year, several times a year. I'm in the car looking for locations, looking for something that's wild, but that also I can go on, you know, and I won't get into trouble. Like it's not private property. Right. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm sure there's plenty of photographers out there that have had a run-in or two with uh, with people saying, what are you doing? Get off my land, you know, that type of stuff. That, that... Right, I haven't had that yet, and I don't plan to. It scares me. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's way better to ask for permission than forgiveness in this instance. You definitely want to ask for permission first. It just helps. Right. It helps the rest of us. So talk to me about the wardrobe. Where do you where do you get your wardrobes? Where do you, do you make them? Like how do where do you get those at? <laughs> if I had a crafty bone in my body as far as sewing, I would probably make them because they are expensive. Yeah. Um, but I, it is really really fun collecting my wardrobe. I um, buy most everything online. There are certain vendors that cater to photographers. And so a lot of times I'm, you know, going to these specific vendor sites and I'm finding one of a kind pieces. I have a studio full of dresses that go from newborn to, oh, probably for like up to 15 years old. And then I also have some, you know, it's, it's limited, but I do have some things for boys. Boys are not as much fun to dress up. So, and there's not as much variety. So I do have a few things for them, but not as much as I do for the girls. Sure. Yeah. My, my wife and I are having a little boy in March and that was one of the, congratulations. thank you. Yeah. We're, uh, we're really excited. She, she was hoping for a girl just because of that reason right there. She's like, there's no cute boy clothes. (laughs) <laughs> she's always, you know, saying that when we go to Target or something like that. But she's she's coming around. I think she's found some other things that are uh, that are more fun to dress up. Uh, right, and little boys little boy. are fun with their little bow ties and their cute little hats when they keep them on. Yes, <laughs> and yes. the suits and and the suspenders. Those are really fun. So for somebody who maybe wants to start getting into kind of a a prop or or wardrobe based uh, photo session with their clients. 
what kind of a budget do you think they need to have to really kind of beef up their wardrobe and their props? Hmm. Well, I would say if you're just starting out, my suggestion would be to start um, going to places like the DI yeah. and, you know, any secondhand store savers, anything like that to just start to kind of find, you know, dresses that maybe you could alter and add some embellishments to to make them prettier. Um, just because on average, I'm spending about $200 per dress oh. for, yeah, for some of my really nice handmade stuff that um, that is very unique. They're, they're one of a kind. Um, you know, and I've spent even more than that. It just really depends on the thing I'm purchasing. But I would say start out just to build up your wardrobe because I started out really cheap. Just start going and buying the, the used things. See if you can alter them. Or even if you go online to Zulily, you can usually find some really great outfits on there that you can start out with. And then as you start to make some money on it, then you can start to invest in the one-of-a-kind uh, one pieces. Yeah, because you don't have to start from the one-of-a-kind day one, right? Like that's No, you do you not. No, nope. and I'm only doing that now because I can. But if I wasn't making a really, really good profit, I would still be trying to do as much secondhand as I can. A lot of times you can go and find other photographers who purchased really great dress, dresses brand new, and you can get them for a really great discount. Or another good thing to do is the little girls that do the, be the beauty pageants, um, if you can find a, like a pageant mom and you can maybe buy some dresses off of her that are used um i haven't done this before but it's just a way to get things for a little bit cheaper because it can get really expensive yeah i bet it, especially if you're uh you're paying 200 dollars a dress I, i'm sure you're getting more than one you you know session out of each dress though right yes okay yes yeah. i have not sold i don't think any of my dresses so i just keep adding to my collection because i like to have a really good variety some clients come to me and they really like the um, the soft pastel colors. Yeah. Can you hear her in the background? Yeah, but it's okay. Are you sure? Yeah. It's, it's hashtag <laughs> She's real thinking life. let it go really loudly. Yeah, that's okay. She <laughs> loves Frozen. We also, I also have a daughter who is a singer. That's why we bought her like, well, it was actually the worst investment we've ever bought. It was uh, like a, a miniature karaoke machine that's portable. And uh -huh. she literally walks around the house with it and just blares Let It Go or it has like a few of the Disney songs preloaded. Yes, uh, she has the microphone. That's what she's singing to yep, right now. Yep, yep. <laughs> and that's just great. I mean, maybe she'll be a famous singer one day and just make you a ton of money. So you never know. Yes. <laughs> Where did I leave off at? What was the question we were on? Oh, we were just talking about wardrobe. but Wardrobe. <clears throat> but that's okay. We can move on. Okay. So as far as how you offer this to, to your clients, do they typically come to you already wanting the whimsical, magical type sessions? Or, or do you say, oh, like, you've come to me for family photos. Uh, this is also something that I do. So a lot of times when people come, actually, the majority of my inquiries are for the whimsical sense sessions. Okay. So... Most of the time, people are coming to me for that first, and then after they have a whimsical session, then they um, love it so much and love the experience so much, they start talking about booking a family session within the next year. So a lot of times, people don't even know I do families, even though I have it on my website and even though I have it on my Facebook and I'm always posting pictures of, pictures of families. Yeah. That's not what people see because what gets shared the most and what gets the most comments and the most likes are the whimsical photos. So... Um, so yeah, people are usually coming to me for that first, and then they're finding out that I also do just, you know, your standard classic photos as well. 
So you've obviously found your your kind of your niche market or niche market, however you pronounce that. Um, mm-hmm. As far as other people finding theirs, what would you do? You have any words of wisdom on kind of how to be unique or how to stand out? Because, I mean, I'm looking at your Facebook profile and you have you know over fifty thousand followers now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. incredible. Congratulations. Thank like, you. I'm so, so happy that you're doing so well. And, um, I, I, you know, I got like 500 <laughs> on mine, but <laughs> I really don't do anything out of the box crazy. Like, I, I like to take, uh, you know, studio portraits and wedding photos and stuff like that. But that's, that's kind of a run-of-the-mill thing. I have my own take on it. But, yeah, how would you, how would you uh, recommend somebody get started in kind of being unique and getting found like that? Yeah, um, I... I would say as far as getting started and really finding something to make you unique is to um, really figure out what it is that you love to shoot and then just see what you can do to make it different. So for me, I definitely will not shoot weddings. I don't shoot engagements. I don't shoot senior photos. Um, It's just not my gig. I've tried and I am so awkward when it comes to those things. I work really, really well with little children, so I decided that I'm going to focus on newborns and kids and um, and then families because I, I actually used to not like doing families, but the more I did it, the more I really liked it. Um, but my, my thing is really children, and so I was able to take that and say, okay, I really want to focus on just children. Now, how can I make it my own? How can I set, set myself apart from all the other children's photographers out here? Um, and... I I think just really finding what you love to do, what you love to create. Um, I wouldn't suggest following a ton of photographers because what we tend to do is we tend to compare ourselves to other people and um, then we tend to like want to copy what everybody's doing and it's really hard to develop your style when you're trying to copy a lot of people, if that makes sense. Yeah, because you kind of get influenced, I think. It's almost yeah. like your peer group, you know, you're, you're just like the people you hang out with. It's the same kind of thing, like you photograph just like the people you follow or that you idolize or you tend to kind of pull inspiration from those things and um, maybe that's my next question. Where do you pull your inspiration from if you're not pulling it from other photographers? I pull it from, well, actually, that kind of leads into your last question about um, what I like to do that's separate from photography. Um, a lot of a lot of it for me is going hiking. I like to um, disconnect from the world, and so hiking and camping are my my things. I like to disconnect where I'm not on the computer. I you know don't have cell phone access, and I love to go out and just kind of get into nature. So well, the great thing about living here in Utah is we have access to these really amazing mountains right outside my window, and it's great. I love it. I can um, go out. I can just take like a fifth, you know, well maybe about a thirty minute drive to a hiking trail. And get out there and just be in nature. And that's really when I get to um, open my mind and imagine. And so as far as inspiration, just being out there where I'm not being influenced by anybody else, where I'm not being influenced by what I'm seeing in the world around around me as far as, um, you know, like what other people are creating. Yeah. But I'm really being influenced by just um, nature. And then also watching my little kids run around and explore. Um, I start to imagine, you know, what would it be like if I were to capture that 
exploration in a photo how can i capture it and like retain the childlikeness in this you know yeah and Gosh. another thing i do is a lot of i a lot of children's books so like there's this one children's books that book the um very hungry bear and the big red strawberry i can't remember what it's called <laughs> yeah. but it's this little mouse and it's trying to pull a strawberry off of a, a vine so that it can eat it but i guess there's like this hungry bear that wants to come eat it and there's this drawing in there of the mouse pulling the strawberry off. And the mouse is so tiny and the strawberry is so big. And I thought, well, gosh, I want my child to be pulling a big strawberry off a vine. That would be really cute. So I drew inspiration from that where I, I um, decided to make her into a really tiny person and photographed her trying to pull a giant strawberry off a vine. So, you know, in that way, I was influenced by something else I saw, but I was able to take it and make it my own. Yeah, like you you wouldn't normally just get that. It just came from your own mind. You know, you had mm -hmm. your own mind's eye on it, which is, I think, the key to being unique is just kind of applying your personality, your life experience to whatever you want to photograph and just kind of throwing it in the mix and seeing what comes out. So mm -hmm. that's, really, that's really cool. Um, one other question I was going to ask you about your social media is mm -hmm. do you have any best practices for marketing yourself on social media? I mean, I know you said that you, you do a lot of word of mouth, mm -hmm. word of mouth kind of stuff, but um, social media wise, like what are some good habits to be on there? Well, I'm not super, super good at this because like I said, I do rely on the quadruplets to do a lot of advertising for me. But one thing that's really, really important as far as social social media is to try to post every day. You need to stay relevant. You need to be in people's news feeds. Um, when, when people post a lot of times they make, when a lot of photographers post, they make the mistake of just kind of giving a one or two t word description about the photo. Oh, these guys were great to fun with. Oh, sorry. These guys were great to work with. And then they kind of post a photo. You need to find a way to get interaction from people. And people are not going to interact if you're not asking them questions or trying to um, create a situation where they want to respond. So a lot of times when I go to post a photo, I'll, um, you know, like let's say I'm posting a Santa photo. I'll say, I absolutely love Christmas. This little girl was really shy. You know, do you have a shy kid? Who had, who had a hard time meeting Santa, what was your Santa experience? You know, and so then that really gets people to answer. And when people respond, it shows up in their friends' news feeds who then click on the photo and then they want to read it and share it. And So um, any way when you're posting in social media that you can try to get your followers to intera interact, you're, it's going to get your photo to travel a lot further as opposed to just making a couple of comments. If so, that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. Um, wh what about your interaction? Like, do you interact with a lot of the people that comment? Like, are you yes. going through and, and responding to people? And is that really time intensive? It is. Specifically, when I post a photo of the Gardner quadruplets, um, I will get a ton of interactions. I do try to make sure that I like every single comment just to let people know that, hey, I read your comment and I like it because I don't want people to feel ignored. If they're taking the time to write something on my page, I want to let them know, hey, I appreciate this. I'm not just going to ignore you. So I do like to take the time to like every single comment. And then if anybody ever asks a question or says something that really, you know, would would require a response, I always try to make sure to respond. And, um, you know, no question is a dumb question. Um, I had somebody ask me, 
I had the Santa photo where this little girl was really excited looking into a box, and this was just yesterday. And somebody said, I really want to know what was in that box, that Christmas box, to make her so excited. And, you know, it's basically kind of giving away my secret, but I don't really think it's that much of a secret. And I just told her, hey, I had some flashing toys in there that light up. And she was like, oh, that makes sense. But I feel like being... um you know, being there and letting people know that, hey, you can ask me questions. It's okay. I'm willing to respond, you know, and I really enjoy your interaction. And when somebody compliments me on my work, I always tell them thank you for your amazing compliments. You know, it's people like you that keep me going because, you know, I'm doing photography for myself, but I'm also doing it because I really love when other people can enjoy it, yeah, you know? Absolutely. That's that's a, a huge reason of why I do it is I love the the feedback from people like I love mm-hmm. hearing them say wow this means so much to me that you did this like you captured something that I would have never been able to do by myself and thank mm-hmm. you so much you know that's that really does kind of fuel the fire for me um, I wanted to jump into your Santa sessions can you walk mm-hmm. me through kind of the process of how that goes for clients Sure. So um, as far as the Santa session, and I don't know exactly where you'd like me to start, but I do. Wherever you feel like, honestly. (laughs) Okay. Well, I do an exploratory email where I just send it out and say, you know, these are my Santa sessions for this year. This year, I actually um, photographed the background with my Santa beforehand. So people knew what they were getting into. And um, they're limited edition. So I only do them for one weekend. So if you want them, jump on them now. So um, people call up, they book. I have um, the session fee, which is $125, and that includes an 8x10. So it's a 30-minute experience with Santa, and that's how I advertise it. It's not just a photo session, but it's also an experience. And that's a really major selling point as far as people, clients who have gone to, like, the mall Santa experience and have realized that it's not really an experience. Yeah. Um, a lot of times they're coming to me and they're saying, you know what, I want my kid to just really be able to sit with Santa and enjoy him. So I advertise it as a 30 minute experience. And, um, and then, so they get the 30 minutes and an eight by 10. And then after that, they can choose additional photos and purchase whatever they want. I sell anything from ornaments to, you know, gift prints, albums. With my last Santa sessions, I sold, um, the majority of the things I sold was albums because everybody loved all the photos and said, I want all of these. So um, they booked the session. They show up. You know, we really, I try to make it really fun. They get to have a cookie with Santa. They get to pretend to drink hot cocoa with Santa. Um, Santa reads them a book, um, a little part of the book since we don't have a ton of time to read the entire book. But they also get to have the classic Santa visit where they sit on his lap. They tell him what what they want. And my Santa is really amazing. He's actually a professional Santa that I bring in from Colorado. He went to Santa school. That is a thing. And... And he's really great about asking them questions. If they're really shy, he knows what it takes to bring them out of their shell. He knows, you know, how to do all the right smiles and everything and really just kind of get kids to feel comfortable. And my goal is to capture those interactions, you know. So how do do you, uh, I mean, how do you interact with your client at that point? Like, let's just say you have maybe one or two children interacting with Mm -hmm. Santa are you directing the child at that point or are you kind of relying on your Santa? Obviously he's very good. He's professional. I mean, I've seen some of the the photos you've been posting recently and guys go check them out. They're amazing. Um, 
Uh, are you working with the child like face to face right there? Or are you kind of waiting for Santa to kind of get the reaction that you need before you photograph? A really good inter uh, um, mesh mishmash of both, really. Okay. So. I do direct the child quite a bit because I want to make sure that I'm getting their face in the photo. Um, but my Santa also really, really knows what I need. He's really great at it. He knows when he sets a child on his lap, he knows how to position them so that they're not turned away from the camera. He knows how to make sure that they're turned towards the light so I can get a great photo. So he does a lot of that, that work for me. So I'm not constantly having to make adjustments. I also have um, his wife plays Mrs. Claus. And she's really, really, really amazing. She is so good at what she does. She actually checks the wardrobe for me. So if a kid's, you know, pants are all messed up, she will fix the pants. She'll pull socks up if they're, if they're down. She'll fix dresses. She'll fix hair if it's covering the face. So she watches those details as far as um, clothing and hair and, you know, making sure that everybody looks like, you know, that there's not anything weird things in the photo. And my Santa's really good at knowing exactly where the kid needs to be positioned, but then he also really knows how to interact with the children. He knows how to get um, a really great reaction from them. So we do a great um, combination of him working with them and then me just kind of, I, I mainly just take the lead of, here, here's a book, now let's do the reading photo. And then I kind of sit back and wait for the right moment because those natural moments can't be created if you're forcing it. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I'm I'm a huge believer in getting people in the mindset emotionally so that way they can uh, give you those genuine smiles, those genuine laughs, you know, like all of those things that people want. Um, I, I'm not um, exclusively a candid kind of photographer, but mm -hmm. those candid moments are usually my favorite, honestly. Those yes. are kind of the favorite uh, things to photograph for me anyway. Um, they're not always what people print or what people buy, but, um, those are, those are my favorites. So yeah, I totally agree with you uh, getting those, those, uh, real emotional responses out of people is, is like super key. Um, so just to change gears for just one second, mm -hmm. I know you have a ton to do ton of Santa sessions to edit. So I'll, I'll try to keep it brief, but as far as your training, can you draw? Are you, are you like an artist like that way or, I, I'm just wondering where you developed this talent. Oh, as far as drawing, maybe I did it when I was a kid and I thought I was great. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I took art classes and I and I got into advanced art classes, but honestly, I'm not that good. So um, I, I really wouldn't even know where this came from. I've always been a creative individual. I've always been very, very interested in, you know, art and poetry and just all those really fluffy, pretty things. And... Um, I think for me, it this was one medium I could grab onto that I could actually master. I couldn't master art. I couldn't master poetry. I couldn't master, you know, writing. Because I, for a while, was like, I'm going to write novels. Yeah. And I would start out these really great books, and I'd get like 50 pages into them, and then I would just lose all my steam. Mm. So I've tried so many outlets. Um, I have a lot of creative energy, and I need an outlet. And I've tried a lot of different things. But this is the one where I really had the most passion and the one that I knew I could master. I'm totally there with you. Like, I love music. I love composing music, recording it, mm -hmm. uh, all sorts of things. But I'm not good at it. That's what sucks. Is like, I wish I was so good at it, but I'm just not. I'm not, I don't have the natural ability to just pick up a, an instrument and 
you know, within three or four months, just I'm already way advanced and can do all these yes. different techniques. And so I can totally relate. I, I needed a an outlet as well. And photography for me was just one of those things that I was able to pick up and grow into a lot farther uh, with a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of effort, I'm sure just like yes. you. But uh, yeah, it was something that I, I actually got some mileage out of and I didn't hit a wall. So mm-hmm. I think all of us kind of have to find that that one particular thing that we can get the most mileage out of. And we may not know what that is when we start because uh, it takes a lot of development to really go, oh, actually, no, I'm going to see this through. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. see this all yes. the way down the road. So awesome. Well, you've kind of shared your uh, your one interesting thing, but is there any pr- particular place for uh, the Utah listeners that you like to go hike? Oh, really? Just uh, the Wasatch, Wasatch Front here. Um, I like going up Little Cottonwood Canyon and Big Cottonwood Canyon. Um, Little Cottonwood's my favorite because it's the closest to me. So, <laughs> yeah. And it also, I feel like, has the absolute best hikes. It has anywhere from, um, sometimes I hike out to the ruins, which is a uh, broken down stone building. And that one's only like three quarters of a mile, maybe. It's not too bad. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, and then I do ones um, that are, you know, five miles and up. I love, I do love to go down to American Fort Canyon um, and do like on the way up to Timpanogos, you can go and um, hit some falls on either side of the mountains. So I like doing those things. Um, I always hike with my three-year-old on my back. So I'm getting a really great workout. Sounds I'm like it. Yeah. With wow. a child on my back. And it really just kind of allows me to get in touch with nature and, huff and puff and get sweaty and it's fun well it's it's i think it's a good thing like i don't know how it is for you but like when you're walking is it kind of a a time for like reflection and you can kind of Mm -hmm. just unplug a little bit and maybe process some of the things that you've been going through doing during your life or any of that kind of stuff like it's almost like a therapeutic thing it is it really is and um i spend a lot of time during the day really attached to my phone and really attached to my computer whether it's for work or just for fun yeah or you know even trying to keep in touch with my kids because my older teenagers they have phones and so i feel like i'm constantly attached and so it's my time to really disconnect from that all and to really give some time to think i remember remember when when you were a kid and you had time to just be bored, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember being bored when I was a kid. I don't know what that's like anymore. But I can get close to it, not necessarily the boredom, but the freedom to just sit there and have nothing to, else to do but think when I'm hiking. Yeah. So I get to hike, and I get to actually really think things over. A lot of times that's when I get my a lot of really great ideas. That's when I make... um. Well, that's when I make some really hard and tough decisions on my business and where I want to take it is when I'm hiking or even just walking. Some t- a lot of times my husband and I will go walking at night and we'll walk a couple of miles and just talk. And it's a great way to connect and not be, you know, flooded with emails and text messages and all these things that you're trying to keep up on as far as the Internet. And, um, it, yeah, it, it really is a great way to just push aside everything that's causing you stress and just take a moment to be in nature. Yeah, that's great. My wife and I, this summer, we actually started uh, going on walks every single night. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now that there's snow on the ground, I don't know if there's any snow in Utah yet, but uh, now that there's snow on the ground and it's a little cold, we've kind of uh, 
strayed away from it, but I think during mm-hmm. the spring we'll probably get back into it. And I totally agree with you. Go on a walk with your spouse. As simple and uh, as uh, as easy as it sounds, like it actually you get a lot out of it. It's a lot of time you to do. actually turn the TV off, turn your phone off, and just go for a walk, even just around your neighborhood, where you can kind of uh, not be, kind of be free from distractions and kind of really have a face to face interaction with somebody you care about. So yes, that's awesome. if you don't make the time, it's not going to happen. So you have to make the time to have those conversations. And, you know, it, it is it is very, very important. And a lot of times my favorite conversations or the really the only inter- uninterrupted time I can get um, with my husband is when we're out on a walk. Yeah, so well, then, then it's, it's a treasure. Yeah, you have to treasure mm-hmm. that and make sure that it's a priority then. Uh, for me, my one cool thing this week or, or my interesting thing um, is is going to eat at restaurants in small towns. Mm-hmm. I, I drive a lot for work. I'm a medical sales rep. I cover all of the state of Idaho and the state of Wyoming. I'm actually headed to Wyoming today, so oh, that's going to be fun. And I, I always try to stop in these like one-horse towns and just just eat at one of the restaurants and just try it and just uh-huh. see, see if I can find uh, kind of a diamond in the rough. And I do a lot, like... There's a couple of restaurants in like the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, where there's more deer than people, and uh-huh. <laughs> some of these some of these little drive-ins and like little hamburger stands, and um, there's even like there was a sushi place like in the middle of nowhere, and I was a little sketched. I was like, Ugh, <laughs> I don't know if this is a good idea, but I was starving. And that's the only thing that was open. So anyway, go to a small town while you're driving somewhere. Maybe you're looking for a new location. And mm-hmm. take a friend and go go find a, a small town locally owned restaurant and give them a shot if I love you've never it. been there. So Lonnie, I love it. where can people find you on the internets? Yes. So um, you can find me at my website, LonnieSmithPhotography.com. That's L-O-N-I. I have a name that's a little difficult to spell at times. <laughs> so again, that's LonnieSmithPhotography.com. And also, I'm on Facebook under Lonnie Smith Photography, and then Instagram under Lonnie Smith Photog. Lonnie Smith Photog. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, any other uh, parting words of wisdom that you have for, uh, for everybody? No, I just would say just do your own thing. Keep, keep working at it. If you're, as far as photography, if you're starting to feel frustrated, like you're not really making an advancement, set aside some time to go to photography conferences, make um, friends with other photographers. I think one of the best things that I ever did was make friends with a lot of photographers because then you can get together, you can bounce ideas off of each other. I have a couple of mentors. I've mentored other people. And it really is the best way to um, move ahead in the game and going to conferences and and meeting other professionals and learning from other people um, is really one of the best things you can do for yourself. It's one thing to be self-taught, which I did for the first few years. I don't recommend it. Go and get some education and make some friends and, you know, just keep working at it. Um, if If you work at it, you will be able to shoot how you want to shoot. Yeah, I think you can really uh, hone your skills just by watching YouTube. But mm-hmm. at the same time, having an instructor in front of you or having kind of a mentorship relationship like you're describing is invaluable. Because it is. Because it's, 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 it's a two-way conversation rather than just a one-way when you're on YouTube. You know, someone's yes. explaining their method of doing things and you're like, well, 
in order to ask you a question, I can't get an immediate response. I have to put a comment, or I have to send you an email, or I have to buy your uh, your lecture series or whatever to maybe answer that question. So right, yeah. And when you're with a person, you can get clarification if somebody is talking to you about a new way of doing something with your business, you can clarify if you don't fully understand. Absolutely. Well, Lonnie, thank you so much for the time this morning. I know you're a busy, busy gal this time of year, so I won't take any more of your time, but uh, thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. No problem.